Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 70 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Hector. How's it going, Hector? Have they updated your IMDb yet? Dude, I haven't checked in forever, and probably <laughs> probably won't. I mean, you know, Aww, well, that, as you know. soon as, like, three people watch Blue Like Jazz and, like, you know what, <laughs> then they'll do it. Then, it. then it'll finally happen, Absolutely. and I can update the intro to the show. That makes sense. <sighs> I need well, to rewatch that, by the way. I haven't watched it in, like, maybe a decade. I mean, that's fair. Um, so look for Hector. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Go ahead and do that thing. So uh, we, we should do, do the comic things. Yeah? Let's, let's do it. Like stand-up comic? Cause... No, no. Yeah, I don't care if you have a type 5 or not. We're, we're going to talk about the funny books. Fair. Yep, well, you know what time it is. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves, for we've got comic sign. <laughs> better put the word out. Can't wait for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring necks on. I cut handsome checks for my expansion sets. On today's episode of The Pull List, we have a wonderful show for you. We're going to hit the latest news that you need to know, our must-pull recommendations from the past two weeks or so. We we keep finding cool books on the shelves, and we feel like we need to talk about them because it's our show. D- don't at us. Uh, we got some new favorite number ones. Um, Image keeps putting out crazy books that I want to tell you about, and, well, so much more. This is The Pull List Podcast. <laughs> As I take a drink of my wonderful energy beverage so I can make it through the next 60 minutes. What is your um, energy beverage of preference? My energy beverage of not a sponsor is Rockstar Punched, the fruit punch flavored Rockstar. Not a sponsor. Ah, incredibly tasty and refreshing. Um, yeah, let's see. Lots of randomness, but... Also, stuff we've been talking about in the news. So uh, I think I should start off right off the top that we have an update on the DC Round Robin competition that we know you've all been watching so incredibly closely. No? Maybe? You mean the competition that no one knows exists until we mention it? Yeah, that seems fair. So here we are, update time. Um, And the final has been set. And the final is Suicide Squad Dark. Um, from Zach Thompson and Gary Brown, and Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, from Kenny Porter and, uh, let's see, Janoy Atlinzay. Um, so yeah, after all that craziness, we've come down to a Suicide Squad and a Superboy story. Um, but in classic comic book fashion, this is not even over, and I've already heard rumors that DC is optioning the Blue Beetle story from from the bracket, even though they didn't make it into the finals. So there you go. <laughs> Which is why you want to do things like this. No, I think, and that's why I did see some artists complain that why are you making me fight for for my money? Um, and it's like, well, it's. I think it's pretty clear that if something's a good idea and there's groundswell behind it, that editorial is going to pick it up. So pitch it. I mean, why not? I mean, get paid eventually. I yeah. hope. If if you're not getting paid at all, then yes, I I will I will <laughs> I will repent of all former statements and talk about how evil this is. Absolutely for sure, because that's not beyond comic publishers 
ability for a bunch of really good ideas to be used for marketing and for no one to get paid. Ugh. Well, it's like the people on American Idol that don't actually win, but right. end up getting contracts. Yep. It's like, hey, people saw you. People like you. Let's print money. Um, so we'll keep track of that and see how many stories actually come out of the round robin at the end of the day as shorts or limited series and whatnot. Because, I mean, some of them were really good. I want to see the I, I wanted to see the question one, and everyone was like, "What's a question?" And it's like lame. Big up a comic. Um, so yeah, round robin continues. We're careening towards a conclusion. Uh, stay tuned. So I have more DC news, and I think I have to use my sarcastic voice. Not that one. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Your sarcastic voice <laughs> is your default, just like any time you or Bubba Stallcup use a care emoji. Hey. I, I feel like any because that's your default, and I feel your care emoji is dripping with sarcasm. It's usually not, but... <laughs> There's a lot of times that that oh, fine. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm that. I'm at the point when certain people <laughs> use the care button. I'm like, that button drips with condescension. <laughs> fine, I'll start harding all of your things. Will that make you feel better? Yes, yes, it fine. will. Okay. <laughs> Hector and I are fine. We're seeking counseling, but everything's okay. Um, so. You absolutely want to know that DC already has all of their crazy events planned through like next year, right? Do, do oh, you want to know of that? Course. Or, yeah, okay, man. well, good. Um, so Dark Crisis is now upon us with the death of the Justice League, which, save it for the podcast, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, so Dark Crisis is happening. Of course, we had Infinite Frontier um, that kind of got us here. And ironically, in a bunch which of Which I stories, missed all completely. Yeah, well... Technically, I'm not sure you missed much, but I don't know. Um, End State was in there somewhere, but I noticed that even a bunch of news sources didn't even reference End State when talking about the upcoming things. And I was like, ooh. What is End State? I said End State. Sorry. Yeah. I have to enunciate. Or all that nonsense. The state stuff. I don't know. I've lost track already. Pure State? Yeah. No, that was part of it. But technically, yeah. That, this is why this is confusing. Okay. The, the the not 5G. Um, so the next one is the Shadow Zone, uh, which supposedly tells us what happens indirectly in title after Dark Crisis. Um, and I got nothing. But here we are. Um, it's something about, at least the guess is, with the death of so many major characters and everything where everyone's also like, oh, by the way, nobody's really dead because welcome to comics. Um, that Dark Crisis is going to crash into Shadow Zone and everything's going to be Lazarus Pit oriented. Insert shock face. No? Yeah. Well, I think one person's really <laughs> dead in Justice League, even if the others weren't. We can talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that in a minute because I'm curious on your take. Because um, there is lots of stuff. Yeah, I'm going to save it because I just had thoughts. Um, but, yeah, so Infinite Frontier. Um, 
Oh, t technically the Flashpoint stuff, um, Flashpoint Beyond or whatever, is in there. Dark Crisis, Shadow Zone. Got it? Good. So, and a lot of the kickoff stuff is happening right now with Justice League 75. Uh, free comic book day, which will be, uh, I'm going to say this coming Saturday, like we're not recording this um, two Saturdays away from Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> but by the time you hear this, Free Comic Book Day will be the incoming Saturday. Um, lots of the kickoff books for DC's events, Marvel events, and everything will drop on May 7th. Free Comic Book Day is on its right day this year. The pandemic had all kinds of craziness going on. but we're Dude, it really it. does make a difference in my heart Yep, <laughs> that it's on the first Saturday in May. Because, like, that it, it set off my whole equilibrium. Yep. That's why I can't say the word equilibrium. Um, be, you know, because we haven't had a free comic book day on free comic book day proper. Right. I did it, really enjoy the whole thing of spreading it out over the summer, like mm -hmm. at pandemic ground zero. But, you know, I, yeah, I missed the first Saturday in May. Yep. And so I'll be curious. Uh, we'll definitely talk about how free comic book day went after uh, it happens. Because uh, I'll be curious what you experience. I was talking to my shop uh, this week, and he he's concerned because of the pandemic that people have forgotten already. And so now that kind of made me go, huh, because I kind of feel like you. that I'm like, yay, it's back, yay. Um, but he's like, nobody's asked me about it this year at all. And I'm like, ooh. So I'm, I'm going to kind of pull the masses as it occurs and probably loop back to this. I know that like Dragon's Lair, which is now my only local shop, <clears throat> well, yeah. sort of, um, uh, is doing a. I mean, they always go all out for Free Comic Book Day, yep. but their Free Comic Book Day is bigger than some cons I've done. Oh sure, and that's the way it was when I was at Ultimate Comics. That you know we took over a parking lot, we brought in artists and guests and everything, and it was basically a mini con. So, Free Comic Book Day is an experience. Check your local comic listings for your comic store. Um, the, the first ever actual Faith and Fandom booth was at a free comic book day in Myrtle Beach. And, nice. you know, fond memories. The beginning. The beginnings. Aw. So, speaking of the free comic book day, another book that you are going to get, because all of you asked for it, Spider-Man and Venom! And the prequel of something called The Dark Web... Uh, apparently has been a semi-well-kept secret by Marvel um, with the leaks and also the ordering of free comic book day books that folks are like, oh, this is a thing. So if you are into that Spidey Venom thing, uh, there is a free comic book day book for you and a forthcoming series that I want to double check the date. I think it's summer, but it may be fall. doesn't actually say so it could be any time july august if i had to bet because it's it's side by side with the relaunch of asm um which just happened and we're going to talk about that too because i i actually enjoyed it so spider-man keeps finding ways um but this is one of those things that just connects all of the pieces of the spidey verse and for a lot of you venom fans this sounds like more of a spider-man balanced story so 
you Venom fans, get ready. Your local comic shop should have some books for you on free comic book day. Um, oh, yes. So we've talked a few times about um, all the different content that's being produced outside of comics or is it being done as web comics. So we talked about Webtoon having some licensed stuff and... Um, there's some other places that have been doing, DC has been expanding their podcast. Well, Marvel said they didn't want to be left out. Um, and Marvel and Sirius XM are teaming up on bringing a squirrel girl podcast, um, structured thing with Ryan North, who did a big bulk of it when it was in print. Um, so Marvel's jumping into the expanded content game as well over at SiriusXM. So if you are a fan of the unbeatable Squirrel Girl, girl ooh, lots of lots of lots of letters in that one. Um, and you're still one of those people that thinks paying for Howard Stern is a wise life choice. <laughs> hey, what? <laughs> I don't have. Well, here's the thing: I don't have SiriusXM, but fine. <laughs> Decisions were made. Write this down. I'm bringing this up at our next session. Um, but Squirrel Girl is a really great book. And, oh, yeah. And I think it's another one of those that like, we talk about some of the underappreciated books uh, that are out there. And I think my list always kind of ends up on the Marvel side of Squirrel Girl, She-Hulk, and um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur does the same thing for me. That it's just like these books are people are like, what? <laughs> And it's like, no, you should be reading that. And oh, by the way, Squirrel Girl is like stupid powerful. And you have to read the books to understand why. So I am kind of curious what um, a podcast that is underwritten by one of the major voices of Squirrel Girl um, will be like. And I, I, I think I'm here for the expanded content, right? I, I kind of want to see what that looks like. Um. So I'm excited. I'll, I'll say this, and I know it doesn't really qualify as expanded content per se, but um, it, we were just mentioning this before we start recording too that like the audio books of uh, Sandman, um, mm. you know, I'll consider that expanded content because it's not just an audio book; it's like a whole live cast production type thing, right? Um, with like. The, there have been two volumes of that, and it's been one of the best artistic experiences of my last decade. Ooh. Um, to the point that I'm actually really bitter at the live-action Netflix version coming, because the cast differences are so, um, like, target to Dollar Tree, that <laughs> I'm, like... <laughs> I mean, no offense to anybody attached to the Netflix, because there are good names in the Netflix version. But, like, having James McAvoy's Dream and Kat Dennings' Death and, uh, like, uh, who just played Gordon in the Batman? Oh, um, dang it. What's his? This Jeffrey, right? Jeffrey, right? Mm. I failed it. Like, we're, we're, yeah, we're both we're both bad people, right? I, I just lost his last name, but either way, um, he's destiny. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright, he, you nailed it. Okay, um, I got I got confused if that was the name or the question, um, <laughs> but uh, freaking Michael Sheen, David Tennant, uh, you know, there's just a uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Alfred's in there too, the new Alfred, uh, 
Gollum. Yeah. Andy Serkis. Like, Circus. The, yep. the cast is so thick with good actors in the audiobook. And the audio recordings are so good. Like, uh, Taron Egerton is Constantine. Works way better than I thought. Mm. Um, it would. I mean, there's just so much good to it. And I would consider that expanded because if they had released that in podcast format, I would have paid for that weekly. Like, if they would have done a chapter at a time. But uh, either way, like, th- there's expanding because it's a good, because it's an artistic medium and it's a good choice. And then there's expanding to other platforms because other people are doing it. Right. And yep. if Marvel tries to pull what DC's doing the way DC tried to copy their cinematic universe, it ain't going to go well. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's a really good example. <laughs> Pay attention. Take notes. Um, yeah. So I, I think our, our last bit of, of news kind of falls in, in, in your court. And I think we both tripped over the story at the same time. But I was like, it's a Hector story. Um, this one. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, y- you should introduce it. Okay, so um, yeah. one of the little hot-button things that are coming out with the buzzes mm-hmm. around the internets mm-hmm. is that Jason Todd is going to become a Red Lantern. Um, <laughs> As everyone stopped for a minute and went, what? And it, it might be an expanded universe, like uh, Earth-49 or something thing. Right. Or it could, so, it, it could be DC proper. Who knows? Well, the um, quick... The quick soundbite in the middle of this is with Death of the Justice League and the setup for Dark Crisis and everything is that it, it's basically a multiversal um, crisis of things, which all the things are weaving in and out of each other, that literally all the continuity, non-continuity things of DC are like colliding with each other, and that is Dark Crisis, um, which means, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out later. <laughs> Continue. That's just it. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised by that. Um, I mean, that makes sense. But I also feel like it's kind of out of character for the Jason we've seen for the last five years. Um, and considering they, considering Jason didn't go uh, Red Lantern um, when Alfred died, mm. or ten, or Dick was shot, or. You know, one of the million times it was assumed Bruce was dead or anything like that. Like, if not, if nothing that Jason Todd has been through at this point has not pushed him to be a Red Lantern, I don't see it being a natural storyline. Because mm. he's he he kind of like is pregnant with rage most of the time anyway. Um, and I know they weren't really a thing at that point in time, but it would have been. I would have bought it better. And hold on. If this is a multiversal thing, maybe this would be more acceptable that that's how he comes back for after being murdered. Mm. Like if he started off his story as a red lantern instead of a red hood, I'd buy that. Um, But I digress. That's just like, I, you know, I'm skeptical of uh, Mrs. Todd's baby boy because, you know, he matters. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) Oh, uh, little Mick Foley reference. Um, but, uh, no, it's, uh, I, I, you know, I'm waiting to see cause I'm still mad at that one book that started, gave us two issues and quit. So I'm going to mention that until I die. Um, yeah. <laughs> Red Hood 51 and 52, 
and I heard that that person that made those two issues is getting a new storyline. Hmm. And I'm like, um, can you finish? Something? Right. I didn't even like the story. Please go back. You fi- <laughs> you finished what you started. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, our guess based on the leaks and some of the things is that uh, this probably is going to be in the free comic book day setup for Dark Crisis um, because there was a splash page that actually showed it and then quickly the internet all didn't have it all of a sudden we Um, have it because we're criminals (laughs) it wasn't criminal criminal. you you got it before it was illegal that right no maybe i don't know how that works don't we already had a don't sue us episode if we do it again i think we do get sued so um Mm. yeah but so free comic book day, really? Like, if, if we haven't said it enough this episode. You know, go to your, plan your Saturday. <laughs> free comic book day is coming. And and there's I'm, lots of stuff gonna, in it. I'm going to be like uh, knee deep in a lion costume and not able to go during free comic book day. So um, since we're we're having um, confession time, I'm actually at a non comic book related event that entire weekend as well, and I my body's already rejecting like the reality that i'm missing a free comic book day i'm not only missing a free comic book day i'm missing a free booth at an event where i was going to be a guest and like you know i no hold on pump the brakes i'm i was offered a guest spot at two events on may 7th and i had to turn them both down um because i'm ozzing so that makes (laughs) me sad Oh, well, pray for Hector. Um, and no, no, I'll, if you're going to pray for me for in any of that regard, like I legitimately uh, pray that I don't die of heat stroke uh, doing this because so cow- I'm going to be cowardly it, lion is a, uh, is a thick costume, huh? It's a thick furry costume and I wear a headpiece that has eight wigs sewn into it. Ooh. And uh, there's a dance, well, I dance a, f- a good bit, but like there's a dance sequence, like if you're familiar with the Oz musical um, called the Jitterbug, where like little parasites are forcing you to dance beyond your control. Hmm. I'm going to die. <laughs> like I'm going to literally like um, the first time we did it in rehearsal, like I threw my knee out and I sweated like so much that I like was changing colors. So, okay. um, um, yeah. So heck. Hector needs to drink more water. Good. I do. I need to drink more water. And uh, once we get to like June, because the podcast will be a done recording by the time it goes on. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you get to the first couple weeks of June, <laughs> lift your boy up. Lift your boy okay. up. We, we got you. Uh, so uh, that's what if you not, need to Todd's know. taking my place with Chris <laughs> after I die. Uh, rip. <laughs> um so I, I guess that's what you need to know. Um, now you know things about Hector doing wonderful musical things on the side because your boy's talented. Uh, but also our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you all of that wonderfully deep insider knowledge. And as always, you can join in on this conversation with Hector and I uh, and all of your nerdy friends over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord and in our Facebook community. Uh, some of you add us occasionally. Um and how dare you? Um, just kidding. Uh, you want to jump into the conversation. Comics are about community, and we love talking with you guys. Tell us what you liked, uh, what you hated, and uh, what we missed. And we 
usually do miss things because so much happens uh, week to week. So it's good times. Jump in there. Uh, we've been talking about Moon Knight over in the, the Discord, and I'm trying to make people angry. Um, so <laughs> good times. You are listening to The Polis Podcast. I'm Brittany Lockland, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today, I'm sharing my spoiler-free first impressions of the new Marvel series, Moon Knight. Moon Knight first appeared in Marvel Comics in August 1975 in Werewolf by Night number 32, and has since then gone on to span several solo series, including an anthology series, Moon Knight, Black, White, and Blood, that is being released with the current Disney Plus show. We are first introduced to Stephen Grant, a gift shop worker at a museum in London who seemingly has an ordinary life, except for chaining his ankle to his bed every night before he goes to sleep. But things don't stay ordinary for very long, as Stephen starts experiencing blackouts and winds up in places he has no recollection of going to. What follows from there is the gripping, mind-bending, and heartbreaking journey of Mark Spector as he navigates the life he has made and the one he has made as Stephen Grant, all while dealing with trauma and the dissociative identity disorder that was born from it. Episode 5 in particular is one of the most powerful and emotional things Marvel has ever produced, continuing to prove that Marvel is expanding and transforming the cinematic universe they have created for their heroes since the era-ending Avengers Endgame. If you have enjoyed the Marvel series on Disney+, and particularly WandaVision and Loki, then this will be another one you will most likely enjoy, as it is another series that follows the trend of breaking the mold and pushing the boundaries of what a superhero movie or series has to be. The series overall has some dark themes it deals with, such as trauma, mental health, and plenty of killing, so if you're watching with little ones, please be aware that some scenes may be too intense for them. However, this show not only has the epic action sequences and classic comedy you come to expect from Marvel, but also provides some incredible storytelling and interesting conversations to be had with your family. While this review is coming out before the final episode is aired, I can honestly say that Moon Knight is my favorite of all of the Marvel series so far, just when I thought Marvel couldn't get any better. The story is out of the box and fascinating, the music is top tier, and Oscar Isaac's performance is full of warmth, vulnerability, and range. In my opinion, his acting is award-worthy, as he does some things not many actors can do, or do well. I promise this series is worth the time you invest in it, as this last episode left me reeling from the emotions and wrenched out of me. Here's hoping the final episode will stick the landing and elevate the Marvel Cinematic Universe to heights it hasn't been at before. I'm Brittany Laughland, and remember, before you go to sleep every night, be sure to chain your ankle to the bed, just in case. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Miron, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Let's talk about them comics. What you got, Hector? Oh, for real, for real? Okay. For, uh, for real, for real, um, Hector's DC Showcase starts now. Okay, first of all, I'm just going to say this. We've complained for a hot minute that uh, we're going week to weeks and there's just not enough good books to actually talk about. That's fair. Um, this was a two-week window where I feel like my... I feel like my purchase amount was double over the last two weeks. 
And there were a ton of good books in the last two weeks. And this is a, just to point this out, um, these are the books that I thought were fantastic that didn't make my pulls. Um, Nightwing number 91. And if you know me, I like this current run of Nightwing. And it was great. It was pretty perfect. Um, Homesick Pilots 14 is the penultimate. It's the one before the end. Penultimate. Penultimate. Right? Whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the issue before the whole story ends. And it was a great issue. Um, Nightmare Country number one, which is part of the Sandman realm, was ridiculously creepy. And um, it featured one of the most terrifying people to me out of uh, the Sandman realm, which was, uh, I forgot his name, but he's uh, <laughs> like, he's uh, scary though. he's scary though. He's the, he's one of the nightmares. Oh, the Corinthian. Mm. Mm. So if you're familiar with the story that featured the Corinthian, which I don't want to talk about it because it's creepy and nasty and horrifying in Sandman. Um, and I literally don't want to watch it visually. Um, uh, but it's a story featuring the Corinthian. Um, and it's horrible, uh, but great. And then, uh, <laughs> it's horribly great. Yeah, it is horribly great. And then Knights of Steel, literally this book just gets more solid as I read it. Um, those didn't make my pulls. Um, <laughs> like I had a whole, I had a whole separate pull list of great books that didn't make my pulls. So here's my pulls. Um, I'm going to start off with a thing I don't think I'd ever say. Um, oh, my. But maybe Detective 1059 was my favorite book this week. Um, oh, Detective finally found its feet again? Uh, Detective took a good step. Okay. This is the start of a new storyline. Okay. Um, they finished the whole uh, Arkham Tower thing. It looks like they've completely changed hands. Um, and, uh, this feels, and th this is what, this is going to make sense. This one issue, it's split into two sections, by the way, there's two stories. This one issue feels like an episode of Sherlock. Ooh. Like you could literally take out Bruce Wayne and Batman and put in Benedict Cumberpatch's Sherlock, and it would be a perfect sequel to the Netflix series. Um, but the like people that don't normally commit crimes or commit murders are committing murders and then turning themselves in, and it's like they're being forced to or something like. Uh, if you're familiar with the Sherlock Netflix series or you know, the books, actually the. Conan Doyle books um, A Study in Pink um, yeah. it is like the first episode maybe um, it was of the series yeah it is literally feels like A Study in Pink but detective wise um, you've got Riddler podcasting on a daily basis and being charismatic and entertaining and millions of Gothamites viewing it oh so and he has more than 500 followers you're saying yeah <laughs> Yes. Go, go um, on. <laughs> and he also has really good facial hair. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 
So, but he's he's like a, he's got he's going live on TikTok every day, and people will watch it. Um, nice. So he's doing that. He's quoting scripture, and then um, it's just this whole murder mystery thing. And honestly, it was a really good storytelling, and it, that wouldn't have made it to my polls alone. It would have been close. But the second story is a Gotham girl story. Like interesting. Tom King's psychotic, you know, uh superhero female oh, that yeah. we have yeah. Right since. <clears throat> yeah. We haven't seen since uh in the Tom King run with Flash where she was trying to bring her dead brother back or something. Yep. Um like that Flash thing. We haven't seen Gotham Girl since then really. Um and this is a whole Gotham Girl story where apparently she just got lost in the fray and was put in this Arkham Tower thing that just happened. And now that she's out, she, and forgive this if this is sounds insensitive, I'm just trying to phrase this as properly as possible. She's, the whole story seems like she's off her meds. I got you. Um, and because she's struggling with her psychiatric thing and she's got someone that is continually trying to get her to go to group meetings for therapy for Arkham and make sure that she's stable. But she's like, uh, she's doing superhero stuff, but she's doing it really, really unbalanced to the point that it feels like bizarro. And, um, (laughs) she, since she's homeless and doesn't have family, she's literally, camping out in the living room of the abandoned Wayne Manor. Wow. Because if you've forgotten, uh, Bruce Wayne lost his money and with that lost Wayne Manor and is living in some little high rise in downtown. So she's literally making fires and talking to, uh, stone busts in the middle of the living room of Wayne Manor. And, it was interesting. It was creative. It wasn't something I expected. And I literally put that issue down. I was like, nope, that was the best one. That's <laughs> like, the one. That was the one. Like, out of the whole kit and caboodle, that one was dope. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, oh, I do have a whole DC list on it. Minus my number one. Yep. But I had all these other ones that weren't DC. That's right. Well, three of them. But either way. Um, so, yeah, there was that one. And then uh, I'm going to hit this with uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight number two. Number um, The deuce. Um, I said that the last one felt like a stretch and like it wasn't on the same vein as the start of the Murphyverse. Yes. Uh, bump all that. Yeah. This we, feels good. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I read number two and was like, should I put this on my list? Not Hector's going to put this on his list. Yeah. Uh, number two felt right. Number two felt like he caught his breath. Number two felt like he caught his stride. Um, and it actually felt like, ooh, we're in something good here. And uh, so I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but just simply to say, if you enjoy the White Knight storyline, it's actually good here. And you should yeah. come back. No, it was um, it was a lot of fun on that, and I guess I guess we'll avoid the spoilerly stuff. But no, it was, I don't care. <laughs> no, I mean, still, uh, um, 
Okay, just I'm just gonna include the Jack thing just for okay, kicks and giggles. Then, all right, so, uh, so there so, there is a spo- yeah. there is a spoiler at the end, like it's like one yes. of those literally maybe the last panel. I was like, I'll hold leave up. that alone. <laughs> back hold up, back up. I feel like I missed something. <laughs> oh yeah, the the literal last panel is a spoiler. Yeah, no, and that's um, and that that's it, what he said, which is why I was like <laughs> I just loved that so much. They was like, wait. Back yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Good. You're with me. Um, oh yeah. So uh, at the, I told you at the end of the first issue, it appears that the Joker is alive or Jack is alive. Well, uh, not exactly. <laughs> no. Uh, back during the Azrael run, before Jack was completely in, Jack and Joker were out of everything. Um, he implanted basically a chip in Bruce's brain. Uh, that has a, an autom- an AI algorithm sort of interactive living version of Jack Napier, the good version, I guess, that to help Bruce along and keep Harley alive. Yeah, in in the Murphy verse, I'm comfortable with uh, if we're seeing Jack, we're seeing good. If yeah, we're seeing Joker, too. we're seeing bad. Yeah, and so this is literally a. Bruce running around with the the good version of the Joker giving him commentary and interacting with his every action. And at one point Jack actually says, "I'm like Alfred and Robin combined." <laughs> and like, and yeah. I, I know Bruce hearing that come out of uh the Joker's face is like the worst thing possible. There so. were a few moments in that entire uh issue that Bruce is like, "Stop talking. Stop talking. Stop talking." <laughs> And um, so that's great. You get some good tension with Nightwing and Babs and I and their gritty futuristic self. And um, yeah, dude, it was just really, really good. Um, on a side note, if you didn't read it, Sean Murphy put out a statement between the two issues just to make sure he took credit for failing. Um, huh? he. Uh, the first issue claimed that Jason Todd was the first Robin. Oh right, and he and he is in his storyline, but it was an accident. Like <laughs> he published something in one of the other stories that hinted at that, and he made a mistake, so he just ran with it and changed the entire dynamic of his thingy because he made a mistake and just decided to go with it. So he owned up, he made a mistake, and that's why the universe is the way it is. Also, this is fully forming a Terry McGinnis solid Batman Beyond story, too. Mm-hmm. So you should check that out. Because this is going to be one of the first ones where you've got Jason, Dick, and Terry all as viable people. And Duke still gets some good love here. Because yep. where Duke is, I feel like Duke is failing in DC proper, you know... This Duke is cool. Um, jumping back onto some other stuff, uh, Catwoman Lonely City number three. I could not have beat the drum for Lonely City 2 enough. Um, maybe it's just because I like a voluptuous Poison Ivy that, you know, shops at Torrid. But, you know, right. <laughs> past the, but it's not just that. It's really a good storyline of uh, an aging you know, mid fifties crew of DC villains trying to do something good slash bad. Um, Catwoman training up the Riddler's daughter. 
Oof. Um, uh, the Riddler trying to be a good parent. Ivy being literally, I think, my favorite version of Ivy. Um, uh, and Killer Croc fighting really hard to redeem himself. And I'll leave it alone, but there's a tragic death among their crew. And it actually made me sad. Um, but uh, you've also got, and this might be the first, you've got Catwoman and Riddler being intimate. Oh my. And she's like, please stop talking. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> oh wow. She, she's like, for once, Eddie, please don't ask questions. And, and I was like, oh. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. And, oh uh, no. And if uh, just to throw this out, if you're a Firefly fan, aka Brown Coats, uh, the Eddie Selena moment of intimacy is very much uh, Firefly episode House of Gold, uh, or Heart of Gold, uh, where uh, like yes. m- like Mal ends up with the wrong person for the wrong reason type thing it's just a weird thing but it has a very heart of gold vibe so lonely city is a every three month book so if you are confused by that sometimes so the next one will be like june um but i i stand by it. it's wonderful um and the last one uh just freaking joker 14 man um this series started at a weird time in the world and it's just been really appropriate, but uh, a I feel like uh, the people that Joker that wanted I feel like one of the main groups of bad guys are like the redneck court of owls <laughs> and like the deliverance court of owls. They're the high powered secret society that just want to eat people. Yeah, and which um, is still super weird. Still super weird. Um, Didn't get better but, in this issue. <laughs> It did well. It did. It didn't. Um, but like the whole issue revolves around, revolves around the fact that the story had it because the next issue is the final issue. Um, this is also another penumulative issue, and um, yep, nailed it. Uh, <laughs> this issue is coming at us from the end, backing up like Jim Gordon is home, uh, and he's dealing with the consequences of whatever happened. Um, like Barbara's mad at him and won't talk to him. Batman doesn't trust him. Uh, people are interrogating him because uh, the Joker is MIA and he was last seen with Jim Gordon. And if they're wondering if they killed him, but we also get a strong daddy monologue from uh, the newly alive slash never was dead Bane to his uh, test to be daughter vengeance right and uh there's just some really interesting stuff that goes on with this and like the level of smug snark uh attitude just dripping off jim gordon in these pages makes me happy um and you know whatever happens happens i know they're not gonna have jim gordon kill the joker i know they're not um if they legitimately have Jim Gordon put one in this dude's head and walk away, you know, I, I just don't see that happening uh, mm. for a million reasons. Because they already tried to kill the Joker once, like in the last two years. Um, and they did kill him in Batman Catwoman. So I, I just don't see it happening. 
Um, oh, but I will say that one thing that I thought was really good is that they actually tied this well into canon for the rest of the story because they said they made it clear that this is why that Gordon was gone for most of Future State and everything else. Um, or Fear State. Like, that he was globetrotting around the world when Scarecrow and uh, the the Uprising, all that other stuff happened. Gordon was chasing Joker around the world. He's like, I was busy. <laughs> yeah, I was busy. He's like, the things at home sucked. Oops. <laughs> That's about it. So those are my pulls. And sorry, that was a lot. It was a lot, but it's it's good stuff. And kind of on my end of things, like I'm all over the place. Um, but uh, Amazing Spider-Man hit number one again. Um, I think I saw a meme circulating this week that talks about the I'm at the comic. St- it, it says a year and then it says I'm at the comic store buying Amazing Spider-Man number one. And it's like six <laughs> in the last eight years or so. Something like that. So anyway, um, yeah, we renumber stuff a lot. But here we are, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one. Um, Hector and I had jumped in to ASM a while back uh, for Sin Eater, and that was kind of cool. We hung out for a while. Um, Peter Parker became a paparazzi robot for like four issues, and all of us went, what the crap just happened? And then... um, Ben Riley came back and everyone went, nope, uh, we, we already read this book. Please no. Um, and then we ended up back here again. And I give number ones a shot every time I do. And first of all, just off the top, um, Ramita Jr. is is drawing this book. And I, I just got to say, I got all the feels just seeing the art. And I'm probably going to read this a while just because of the art. Because for me... He was he was and is one of like my favorite Spider-Man artists and it just looks and feels like Peter Parker and all that. Um and he's been dropped into a New York City that is clearly in a post Devil's Reign um reality because basically all of the underworld is meeting talking about the fact that Fisk is gone. And people are fighting for territory and all that good stuff. And so we're just kind of hitting, like, the reboot button again. But I'm kind of here for it because, um, let's see, Tombstone is, like, one of the major guys that is vying for power and everything. And that's kind of, you know, he's been prevalent in a lot of the Daredevil and Spider-Man stuff over the last couple years. But being that center again is kind of neat for me because... I don't know. It just gives those old-timey feels for Spidey, and I'm about it. Um, because it's basically the street gang war type thing that's coming back up, and and Parker's back to the, so how do I deal with this? And we're back in a reality where MJ is not in the picture, but he's feeling bad about that type of stuff. So it it's like, cool, hit the restart button. Here we are, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Uh, craziness going on in the world, and MJ out there somewhere, and him crying in his hands over it. So... It is what it is, but it's pretty, and it's their opportunity to kind of reground the Spider-Man story again and continue off in a new direction. So I'm here to say that I've picked it up again, and I'm giving it a shot until it blows it. (laughs) I picked it up, and I picked it up to appreciate it, Mm. and everything you said I agree with. I probably won't keep reading it until you tell me, hey, 
keep reading keep reading it yeah uh but it was great um and i think is i could be wrong but is this the first time that fisk's son is got his new crime name i'd have to double check it's possible because yeah that was that was some of the nuance in there and there is the whole thing of is it going to take over the empire and all that good stuff so i don't know for sure it might be like just are, uh they are addressing fisk's son as the rose the rose yeah um it's also kind of fun that they brought digger back which is like a super obscure like <laughs> kind of zombie living undead type thing that really doesn't care about a lot and there's some good humor in there for for that one like yeah Par- parker like breaks his hand off and he's like oops these are yours and i'm like eh, this is why spider-man's fun <laughs> That's right here. <laughs> um, and while he's doing it, he's like, wait, Digger, I've heard this name before. Yeah, womp womp. Uh, so, yeah, ASM is back. And Ramita Jr. has made it really pretty. Um, I also read Alice Ever After number one. And that is a boom book, if I remember correctly. It was a boom book. Um and it's kind of another retelling-ish slash forward-in-the-timeline story of Alice in Wonderland that it's Alice more so as an adult. Um, and it's really kind of wild. Um, she has a drug addiction. Surprise, surprise. Um and it kind of opens on that. And so it's a Victorian-ish type story. They don't quite say what it is that she's hooked on, but part of it, her addiction is part of like her problem. Um, but so far, the story is being told through the eyes and voice of her two cats. Um, so, and cats in this world, not in Wonderland. Um, and it's just, it's pretty. It's it's artistically a very interesting book that's got this Victorian um, timepiece story going on. And so we know she has this drug addiction. She's struggling. Um, her cats can talk. It appears like for real, but you can't really tell. Um, and at the end of the first issue, she's like looking for help at a sanatorium. And when she rolls up, there's this person that looks a lot like the Queen of Hearts. And I was like, my head hurts. Because there's lots of things that are overlapping here, um, but it's enough for me to go, okay, I, I, I guess I want to know how this ends, or at least where you're going, because it's interesting. So if you're into that Alice in Wonderland and kind of looking for you know, a different take on it or you know, a adult Alice still struggling with some stuff um, story, Alice Ever After from Boom is an uh, interesting little place to kind of dive into that whole world. And I think I'm going to leave it at that on that book because it's it's interesting slash weird slash I got nothing. But let's get into the heavies. Um, Justice League 75. I have not been reading Justice League because it's all over the darn place. But when you tell me that the entire Justice League is going to die in a book, I feel morally and otherwise required for your listenership to read said book and try to figure out what is going on. And... um. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin to explain the story. So the short version of this is kind of what we alluded to previously, which is 
the death of the Justice League and the setup for Dark Crisis um, is literally all things possible DC. The, the multiverse, dark metal, infinite frontier, all of the insanity that has occurred over the last, well, in its entirety, are culminating in an event. And it's tearing apart the edges of all those different universes. Like we are, we see multiple teams from multiple universes re-interjected into this story. Um, and can I say that Captain Carrot looked dope? <laughs> right. I was going to say, we get Captain Carrot. Um, Captain and, Carrot looked like Raphael from the new Ninja Turtles movies. Right. And, and they even like, in the middle of something very serious, Captain Carrot's like, okay, Zatanna, I don't like magic, but I'll make an exception. And it's like, what's going on? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so all kinds of craziness going on. Um, really amazing splash pages throughout of just, you know, the Justice League um, fighting all of the big bads of the universe. And all you really need to know is that the Spectre's gone missing. Um, and he shows back up again, um, but he not on their side. And we also see a refocus on Black Adam as a central figure. And the Black Adam has been a, just because I know you haven't yes. been reading Justice yep. League, Black Adam has been a main Justice League contender for a while now. Yep. Uh, like he's a main part of the Justice League and to the point that they're actually been doing romancy stuff with Hippolyta. Oh, okay. Which is weird. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. And here we are. But, um, so basically, literally the entire DC universe is like tearing itself apart at the seams. And the big bads literally put together like the A team of bad people. So, Dark Side, Doomsday, and like all of the, the Necron. Right. That are basically like, hi, here are all the characters that have killed you all before. And it's like, whoops. Um, and well, everybody dies, <laughs> um, ex except for Black Adam. Um, I don't remember it, Black Canary. Like this isn't going to be major. They're, yeah, they're not. Guys. Yeah, they're not clear. But um, I don't remember Black Canary. Not or if she died, but I will say, like, uh, uh, you say what you want to say. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I think it's fair because this is where it gets starts to become more convoluted. It, okay, and the, insane. There's so. some comic characters that are going to die by like, you know, like some cosmic deathy things, which seems very yep. much like Final Crisis stat status. Yep. And, you know, that's cool. But uh, I, I just want to point out and you know, take a breath. Spoiler, just skip ahead thirty seconds if yep. you're concerned. Um, but we see Green Arrow get like pummeled oh, into yeah. the ground by doomsday yep like straight squished yep, and it's squished. just like and, but i will say this like they were bringing all the justice league people to this uh place to help try and save the world and they weren't trying to bring green arrow they were bringing black canary and he grabbed on to try and protect her right <laughs> And so he wasn't even supposed to be there. So, like, when I read that panel with him getting squished, I heard uh, the dude from I'm Clerks. I'm not even supposed to be That's here today. <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. That's what I heard in my head. Squish. <laughs> Squish. Yeah. And it, yeah. And, but, and I, because we're a positive, encouraging 
comics experience. I'm not going to sure. criticize uh, anything per se. Right. But I will say this, that I find the artwork on uh, Black Canary's reaction to Oliver interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's all. Go on. So basically the main reason this book is here is that it's a major a major thing is about to occur in the DC universe. There's lots of stuff coming off the other side. So it, it is worth a look if you care at all about the DC universe and things going on. You can be semi-detached and pick up here and probably read into the startup of Dark Crisis and be kind of caught up to what's going on. But just know that they're going so deep in the cosmic-y stuff. Like, if you kept up with Dark Metal, you might be okay. <laughs> I, I personally think you don't need anything. No, I agree. I, I think you can start here. You can literally use this as a starting point and just go. Um, so, yeah, if you want to see how DC is going to play out its its new explanation of continuity, then Justice League 75. So, uh, wrapping up on my polls, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, wrapped up this week, and I have all of the feels. Um, I think Kevin Eastman, Laird, Ben, Waltz, all of them have put together just an amazing story for the turtles in only five books that as I posted it, but I didn't post a picture because I'm going to let people, you know, do their thing over the next couple days and weeks before I post it. But it's like, if you are a turtle fan and, and you didn't shed a tear at the end of that book, uh, you're, you're not human. Um, you don't, you do not bleed and you do not cry. Um, because wow, I, I, I didn't expect to have all the nostalgia feels and like actual emotions out of this book, but wow. Um, I guess we kind of have that thing of, you know, uh, our generation like literally grew up on the turtles. Um, and I've had this talk with Kevin um, at cons and I'm like, how do, how, how do you reconcile the fact that, you know, there's a few generations that like literally the turtles were our entire childhood. Um, and, that we have all of this stuff in our head that's that's turtles and movies and and then ultimately you tell us this really kind of gut punch story of what a, a late future of of the turtles is and ultimately spoiler not spoiler because it's called the last ronin of what the end of the turtles looks like um you just need to read this series and good news if you've missed it because it can be hard to get these because people bought the snot out of this book um the collected editions are coming in the next month, in June, I think. And there's going to be a collector's hardcover and everything. But uh, suffice it to say, read this series if you even remotely care about the turtles. And we had, there's a, uh, was it you, did you post it in the LTN community? On what? Uh, Facebook. What about? I mean, you you posted the picture of the book, right? I the of the book, yes, but not of the the page. Right, 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 right. Um, there's some really good commentary on that post in the LTN community, um, as well. Michael uh, Brown had uh, Michael Don Brown had a lot of good commentary to say as well. But uh, you know, we, we want to get everybody's feedback on this issue too because it was it was beautiful and sweet. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, it's really awesome. I mean, I also just enjoy the fact of 
uh, having met Ben Bishop as he was, you know, his star was rising and him and Kevin like got together to do projects. And then, you know, Ben wasn't, he was slated to help finish this series, but he ended up drawing a majority of it just because of some artistic change, artist changes early, um, in the production of this book, um, that, you know, Ben literally is, a is what I was talking about. You know, a kid that grew up on turtles and everything. And all he wanted to do was eventually draw turtles. And one day he got introduced to Kevin Eastman and Kevin's like, we should do stuff together. And they did. And then that led to this. And so it's, and Tom Waltz is one of the longest standing editors of TMNT in at IDW and been involved in it for so long. And then Laird coming back to help piece together this, that this is just the culmination of turtles. Um, in the last 20 plus years. So it's just really, really good story and really cool stuff. Um, and I, for me, it just reminds me what powerful storytelling can do. And also just a reminder of how powerful nostalgia truly is um, for generations. But I think this story also will hold up for folks that don't know um, or will be interested in going back and finding out more about the pieces so for me it's the culmination of what comics should and can do so all about them turtles you are listening to the polis podcast hey everyone i'm hector mirai and this is faith and fandom 180 on ltn radio so even though I'm a diehard Pokemon Go player, like day one player, uh, battling in Pokemon Go is one of my least favorite things. And I just kind of always feel ill-equipped. I've, I've never been much of a PvP person in general, from like Call of Duty through Pokemon Go in general. It's just not my favorite thing. And I had reached level 43 in the game, which meant in order to proceed, I had to not only battle, but also win just a lot of fights and I sat in that same spot for more than a year and in that process I just you know I always felt like I don't know who to choose I don't know what to pick I never knew who I'm going to be fighting against it all just sucks so finally this morning like four o'clock in the morning because I was just having trouble sleeping I decided to battle a little bit and I finally picked a team that worked well for me and it worked so well that I kept winning battles. And finally, I won like 17 battles in a row and finally got to level 44. And I was so excited. But, you know, the one thing I was missing is that I had continually chosen the wrong Pokemon to be on my team. And it really did make all the difference. Once I found that magic sweet spot of Pokemon to pick for this... I was crushing it and it reminded me of this verse in Amos 3 verse 3 where it says do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so so often we aren't intentional with who is in our lives who influences our lives who gets our time we just kind of basically just deal with whatever happens but in reality if we actually want to progress in our relationships and our growth and our discipleship and our just being decent humans we actually kind of have to be intentional about who we are surrounding ourselves with 
who we're pouring our time into and who's pouring their time into us. You know, that verse says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so. Maybe you need to agree to actually start letting some people be in your life that will cause you to grow and be stronger. Remember to catch Faith and Fandom 180 every Wednesday morning on the Back Row Morning Show only on LTN Radio. And if you'd like to learn more about Faith and Fandom, head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcasts, memes, apparel, and book series. You can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book. I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. So as we close it out, tell me about that number one, Hector, what what people got to read. And this is backtracking a little bit, and I mainly picked this up because of the guy who runs my comic book shop recommending it, but I went and picked up Punisher number one. Did you read this? Uh, I actually didn't. Yeah. Uh, So so number two... Number two just dropped this week, so I'm including Punisher number one and two in this because, you know, it's a good base for it. Um, uh, short version, um, the Hand has chosen the Punisher to be their uh, slayer of all. Like, okay. they've, uh, they're equipping him to uh, be... the the. On some cultish level, they're viewing the Punisher as the most deadly man of all and that he should be revered by the Hand and that they are equipping him to be the Hand's new warrior, which is why there's a new Punisher logo, because that is the Hand's version of the Punisher logo. Um, And they're training him to be just as lethal with swords as he is with... uh, guns but they don't actually care if he uses swords he just is trying to be his best with it but um one of the main and i'll say this this is one of the most brutal bloody books i've ever seen in my life Oof. like as far as creative violence as i like to call it when i'm talking with my kids <laughs> it's it is chunky with creative violence. Just the kills are brutal. The violence is brutal. The, I mean, it's whatever. Basically, the hand showed up at his apartment and said, you've been selected. Uh, we're going to try and kill you. <laughs> you've been voluntold. You've been voluntold. We're going to try and kill you. And if you live, you're our new leader. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. And uh, what proceeds in some of that, and this is kind of blurring the first two issues, but what proceeds in that is him winning. Um, but one of the things is as he's training, as he's doing the dirt for the hand, going about the world, killing the people that are supposed to die and whatever, they are daily rounding up. Like while he's doing their dirt, the rest of the hand's job is to go about collecting every criminal that got away Hmm. period in the justice system. Dang. So every uh, every uh, child abuser, every uh, like murderer, every person that committed a crime that got away with it, they're literally bringing them before him while he's out doing his jade job, lining them up, hands and feet bound, gagged, and he just spends the end of his day decapitating all the people that got away with their crimes. 
Wow. Okay. And um, and they're doing all this, and uh, like he's it's they're basically setting up that he's literally going to be facing against Ares, um, mm. because uh, <laughs> I think the big bad that he's going to have to kill is going to be the God of War, um. And that they're setting it up for. But one of the, I guess, if there's a manipulative factor to this, or maybe it's just a reward, um, or maybe it's something that he used his new hand powers to do or whatever, uh, you find that the reason he's so happy to do all of these things is because they brought his wife back. Ah, uh, okay. Um, not that, like, she's not fully there. Like, you can tell she's being fully restored, but this is her original body with all the bullet holes still intact and everything. And she's resting and recovering. Um, And there's some dialogue about the fact that the children are next. Oh, man. So this goes full murder pet cemetery uh, (laughs) vibe to it. Um the artwork is phenomenal and it threw it threw some people off i think because the first couple pages are ugly artwork i use that word lightly like not this bad art it's drawn ugly um because it's a brutal flashback do you hit two pages over and there's this double splash page that's just gorgeous of every version of the punisher that's existed Mm. um and then you kick over to this new stylish sassy artwork um dude uh, if, if you can get down with the sickness and the, you know, mm-hmm. let the bodies hit the floor, yeah. um, then uh, this is a really interesting take on the Punisher. Um, and uh, it feels it feels kind of good. Um, so there's something out there. Okay, that's it. All right. Interesting. Um, so uh, I'm living over in Image World again. So I guess Image is hitting on those things, and so I picked up a little thing called Bloodstained Teeth. Um, guess what? It's a vampire story. Shocking, right? Um, well, wow. Uh, short version of this, I suppose. Uh, first of all, it is literally an LSD slash fever dream illustrated book like the coloring is just like letters literally someone threw you in a bathtub full of lsd or at least i think that's what this would look like i don't know i got nothing but it's just really really trippy um in terms of how it's colored and how it's drawn but the story is basically explains this particular world of vampires that there are two classes of vampires that there's basically like ogs that um are the established they call them firstborns that basically they're the true vampires. And then everyone that they make, um, basically are drones, um, and are kind of useless. And they're supposed to actually be kind of careful how they do that. And this is told in modern day setting and you follow a, a firstborn that literally doesn't care about like the old school mentality. It's like being like the young kid in the mob. You don't care about it, but you understand that you're part of it kind of thing. And so he's bucking like all the traditions and stuff. Like he's selling, turning people into vampires. And like, they're talking about people like TikToking. They're like, I'm a vampire now. And he's like morons. Um, but basically the OGs are like, yeah, um, you got to, 
you gotta not do that anymore, and you need to work it out, so you need to go kill everybody you've ever turned into a vampire, or we're going to murder you in very, very ugly, um, vampire-y ways, because you need to knock it off. Um, and the thing that's just semi-entertaining in all this is, A, that's kind of an interesting new look on a story that you feel like you've heard a thousand times, um, but that the OG, the firstborn old school part of the family that is challenging him is Bram Stoker. So huh. they make, yeah, so they make this joke about, he's like, oh crap, are you going to introduce me to Dracula? And they're like, no, you idiot, we invented him. <laughs> um, so, you know, the creator of Dracula actually is Dracula, basically is kind of like the tongue-in-cheek joke in the whole thing. And I'm like, okay, that's funny, no doubt. Um, and they, they dive into the full world of what vampires are like and all of that. And, you know, they talk about this dude's, uh, familiar and it's a much more chill relationship in comparison to what we do in the shadows. <laughs> um, because he's, he actually turned his guy, but his familiar also like drives him around like Uber style and that type of stuff. So it's, it's a very modern, um, vampire story that I'm just like this, like literally you just need to pick up the book and flip through it to see the art to see what I'm talking about because I just don't know how to explain it it's it's very visceral and very surreal so uh, I'm just continuing my path of recommending really really wild broken image books <laughs> for those of you that are looking for those really kind of trippy comic book experiences you're welcome it's what I'm here for uh, so yeah I guess that's going to do it for us. Um, that's it for us here at the Polish Podcast. Episode 70 is now in the books and in your ears. You've been listening to us. Uh, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcasts and fandom with lots of other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Uh, so be sure to hit up lovethynerd.com for more info, previous episodes, and maybe, you know, find yourself a new show. So... As always, Hector and I just want to thank you for choosing us uh, as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near-weekly basis. Uh, so don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We are on all the places. We're on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, on and on and on. Um, yeah, we're here for you. Return the love. So thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read, read more, more comics. comics.